You know, church like this makes a lot of people uncomfortable. When you get God out of the little box that you put Him in, that little canned God that you like, that you can push the buttons and you can decide how and when and what. But you can't keep God in your little box. God's so much bigger than that. He's so much greater than that. And I think God wants us to know something today. And I believe that what's happened has just set the stage. And you don't ever know what's going to happen around this church. We, we have a little program here, but it's just a guideline. That's about all. Now, if that makes you uncomfortable, that's what I'm talking about. You see, we like God in His little category. We're going to sing this one. We're going to do that. We're going to have this prayer. We're going to take that offering. He's going to preach this sermon. I'm out the door. I'm going to Luby's and I'm going to have me a good afternoon nap. And he comes walking into our temple. (laughs) Can I tell you what my text is today? Matthew chapter 21. This is the week before Easter and all this week I've been thinking about Easter and the wonderful things that we're going to celebrate next weekend. But you know, the Lord impressed deeply in my spirit this week that you got to live through a lot to get to Easter. you got to live through betrayal. You've got to live through lies. You've got to live through hatred. You've got to live through bitterness. You've got to live through people walking away and leaving you. You've got to live through all that to get to resurrection. But if you live through it, something good's going to happen. But this happened at the beginning of what is known as Palm Sunday or the beginning of the last week of his earthly ministry. And the Bible said that they broke palms and they... They put them in their hands and they waved them and they put their garments on the ground and he came into Jerusalem, the triumphal entry, and they shouted, Hosanna, and they praised and worshiped. It caused quite a disturbance, just like worship services like this do. You know, it kind of messes up our little playhouse. The Jews had God all figured out. They had him all categorized and in all these neat compartments and And here he is riding on a donkey coming into Jerusalem and people are crying out and they're shouting and children are dancing in the street and the priests and the scribes and the Pharisees, you talk about caused them heartburn, he caused them a double cardiac that day. Who is this? And they said, it's Jesus, the prophet from from Nazarene. Oh yeah, here we are dealing with that Jesus again. Yeah. 
And the next thing you see him do is he went to the temple. And I'm going to read for it for you from Matthew 21 verse 12. They're going to put it up on the screen. And Jesus went into the temple of God and was cast and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And he said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the next verse says, And the blind and lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. My subject this morning, his house, his rules. <laughs> Some of you are going to get it in a minute. Hey, I said it's his house and we're going to work by his rules. So take your little tin God that you've got all nice and neat packaged how you like to keep God in your life because when God gets to working like this, it makes people nervous. This is very unusual. I don't do this very often, but you guys, y'all have a seat right there. I'm going to call you right back up in a minute, all right? Don't stay. Don't lose your anointing, all right? Don't, don't lose your anointing. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's his house. I said, it's his house. It's his rules. We've already had the testimony. This man didn't know what I was going to preach. And I will tell you that I struggled all night wondering if this is really what God wanted me to say to you today. And early this morning, a friend of mine texted me and said, let me share with you what I'm preaching from. Matthew chapter 21. Boom. And God confirmed in my heart that if there's any message that he would like to get through to us this pre-Easter service, that this is his house. Put that first verse back up there. I don't think any of you have ever paid attention to this. But I did. And Jesus went into the temple. Now under most circumstances when you read the temple in New Testament times. It just says the temple. But on this day, he wanted them to know whose house they were playing in. He wanted them to know whose house they had messed up. You're messing with my house. And he took his anger out on money changers and on those that sold doves. The irony of all of that is all of that was a part of their worship. All of that was essential to their worship. But it's his house. 
It's his rule. You can be seated. They're going to throw you up a picture. This is kind of a diagram of what the temple looked like in, in the time of Christ. Much different than what you and I probably have imagined it. But this is Herod's temple. It is far removed from Solomon's temple, which was basically that inner part But there were specific areas that were designated for certain individuals. And if you look at this, there's also, and and I don't have time to go into it, but that inner part is, is the original footprint of Solomon's temple. And it is a it is a diagram basically of what the tabernacle had been given to Israel. And there was a place for all of the, the altar, this part to the left. There's the brazen altar where A, the letter A is, and then the other parts. And then C, uh, behind the veil, there was that holy of holies. And all of this was uh, similar to what had been originally. But now in Solomon's time, uh, it had been expanded to now Herod's day. And it was much larger. There were many gates. Herod made several gates to get into the temple compound. And this large area here on the bottom and up on the top is designated as the, the, the court of the Gentiles. There were various courts. H is the court of the women. That's where the Jewish women could come. And then there was the court of the, the men, the priests that went further into that part of, of that place of worship. But this outer part was called the court of the Gentiles. And it simply was a place where anybody could come to worship or come to the temple for worship purposes. Gentile uh, lame halt and the fact was that in the old tabernacle you couldn't come to church if you had a blind eye you couldn't you, you couldn't come and do certain things if you were lame but there was a place now for these to come and it was in this outer setting this court of the Gentiles that the, that they had set up the marketplace where they would help make it a little more conducive for people who came to the temple for worship because uh, it, part of their worship was a temple tax and and they had to pay that temple tax every Passover. And so they would have opportunity beforehand to pay it or they could come to the temple itself and they could pay their temple tax. Now, the issue was that in that day there were many different currencies that flowed between the hands of men and there had to be right currency that was given for the temple tax. And so the money changers set up their table there, a legitimate business. It was not illegitimate what they were doing. It was part of what the, what, what was required of them in their religious service. And the doves were a central part of their worship as well because there were certain acts of purification that required a dove to be offered as the sacrifice. And so both of these things that are mentioned here were part and parcel of who they had become as a people. The problem came in that both of these things, though they were 
They, they were right in what they were doing. They were open for abuse. And according to historians, and Barclay is one of them that records this, that uh, it, it became a policy that if you came to the temple, that you had to pay temple prices. There, there, there were certain prices that were uh, held. You, you could buy a dove outside the gates of uh, of the temple at one price, but if you didn't buy it there and you came to the house uh, or the temple to to worship, it was going to cost you significantly more. And and if you exchange your money, they charged a fee for for you to exchange your money, so you would have the right currency. And now when the Lord became angry, he was not just angry over their abuse of their fellow man, but more importantly, he was angry at what their actions and attitudes had prevented from happening in his house. Now I want you to get this outer court. It was so busy. It was so clogged. It was so loud and noisy, you would have hardly thought maybe it was more like a Pentecostal church service after all. You know, a lot of noise and clamor. But there was the the things that should have been going on there at that moment were not happening. And here is, is what the Lord showed me. The blind... And the halt had all been there. They didn't just show up for that day's service. They had been there. They had been there time in and time out. Day after day, week after week, they had come to this place that they had been told they could find help in and all they found was this clamoring noise and the hawking of doves and get a better price here, exchange your money here and all of these things. And all of those needy people were still present, but none of their needs were being met. And here is why. Because the Jews had made church about them. The Jews had made church about their convenience, about their comfort. They were more concerned with the temperature that the thermostats were set on than they were that God might be present today. They were more concerned that somebody got my seat and I got to find a new place to sit today. <coughs> I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> yeah. They had made church about themselves. They liked a canned God. One that they knew when to let out and when not to let out. Now I know that sounds sacrilegious, but the fact is, that's exactly what they had done. 
they had made church about their ease and comfort and making sure the mood is right and the lights and the temperature and the parking space is And I'm not here to beat on anybody. I'm not here to beat a drum today. I'm just here to tell you what had happened back then. And that's what brought him to this place to begin with. This is what brought him back to this temple before that day of crucifixion. Because he wanted to one more time set in order his house. And wanted them to be aware this is the temple of God. Not the temple of the Jew. Not the temple of Mark Hughes. Not the temple of whoever you are. But this is his house. And when you're in his house you got to learn how to live and work by His rules. And He is not angry over our formalities. He only gets upset when our formalities hinder and they block what He really wants to do. Yeah. Yeah, we figured it out when we got up this morning. We were going to get up, drink our cup of coffee, and at uh, 10.15, we were going to get in our car, get to church, get our seat, wait for the music to start. Boom, there we go. Come on, folks, let's get this show on the road. And all the, and, and right in the middle of it. Somebody comes walking in. Who is it? I said, it's the Lord of the house. He said, hey, folks, I've got news for you. This isn't about you. This is about me. Yeah. And so he runs all that out. And then he comes back and he sets in order. Three things that were a part of that setting that I want to impress on your mind. Number one, he said it's it's a house of prayer. Prayer should always be a vital part, not a secondary part, not an afterthought. But prayer has got to be the preeminent thing that you and I do that prepares us to come into His presence. That's what the court of the Gentiles was. It was the place for prayer. But there was so much clamor and noise going on there, nobody could pray because nobody could hear to pray. And they had let prayer become secondary to all their other activities. And so he reestablished it. This is my house. These are my rules. Number one, prayer. Prayer's got to be at the top of the agenda. Not just an afterthought. Not just something you do if you have time. But prayer must be the preeminent atmosphere in which the church lives and dwells. It must be the attitude in which I come to church. It must be the spirit in which I walk through these doors. I come in the spirit of prayer. I come talking to him because I want him to move the second thing that he made part of that temple setting was the power the miraculous power of his work the blind and the lame came and he healed them that's what church ought to be about you see your dysfunction 
doesn't disqualify you from God wanting to help you today. Your problem does not eliminate you. It doesn't marginalize you and say, well, you know, you got these issues in your life. That's the reason that church is here. The reason that we have services like we do is not so we can entertain one another, but so we can create an atmosphere where the miraculous can happen, where people who come in blind and can't see the right way to go and don't have direction for their life, God can lay his hand on them. He can open their eyes and give them sight church ought to be for people who come in limping I barely making it because life has beat me up and hit me so hard that I'm crippled but the house of God ought to be a place where the cripple can come and find restoration in their body and restoration in their spirit The third thing is praise. The Bible says that that place was filled. When he started healing people and miracles started happening, praise erupted. They were dancing. Children were shouting, dancing, running. Read it. It's in your Bible. And again, it made all those religious folks made them really nervous this is going to get out of control people are going to think we're crazy people are going to think we're nuts they already think we are this is going to confirm to them that we've lost our mind we're more concerned about preserving our own pride and preserving our own image than we are knowing where we are I'm in my father's house today. And in my father's house, there's healing for the lame. In my father's house, uh, there's opening of eyes of the blind. In my father's house, there's room for dancing. In my father's house, there's room for shouting and rejoicing. In my father's house, there's room for getting rowdy. Why? Because it's his house. It's his room. You see, we Pentecostals, we don't like to admit it, but we have just as many ways to box God in as any denomination. And I'm not just putting this on... I'm not making this the target, but I'm using this as an illustration. We have a thousand ways that we can put God in this little conception that we have of him. And we think, what am I? Listen to my thoughts of God. Listen to my my perception of God. And God said, hey, are you interested in my perception of you? Because what I see is blindness. 
what I see is lameness. And what I see are crooked limbs that I want to make straight. And crooked ideas and warped theologies and ideologies. And I want to straighten all of that out and show you who the real Lord of the house is. And when I'm allowed to have my way, when I'm allowed to move, then I am going to heal your people. I am going to make miracles happen in your home. I am going to cause you to walk again. His house, his rules, his house, say it with me, his rules, his rule, say it again, his house, his rules. Oh, but Brother brother Hughes, what if it gets out of hand? Don't worry about it. There's always enough wet blankets. That's in the Bible. Listen, I'm not making a stab at you. I'm not. I'm that, just read the rest of the scripture there. All those religious folks. Man, you talk about make them sweat. Whew. They don't know how to do church that way. Because they think... God can only work this way. God can only do sovereign things this way. We figure it all out. And God said, hey, I have news for you. I got something better than that. If you'll let me have my way, I'll, I'll circumvent all that other stuff. I'll make her end around. I won't even have to go through that area. I'll just cut to the chase. I'll do the work right where you're sitting. You don't even have to stand out in the crowd. Just lift up your hands. I can heal you right where you are. I can move right where you are. You don't even have to hide among the stuff. I love how my... I messed up a good sermon maybe, but I don't, you know, I I don't care. This is his house. These are his rules. Listen to how the message puts these verses. Jesus went straight to the temple and threw out everyone who had set up shop buying and selling. He kicked over the tables of loan sharks and the stalls of dove merchants. You know what struck me a while ago? I better not say that. They could put up with dove dung in the temple, but they couldn't stand somebody shouting in the temple. Now, if that's too crude for you, just look at, understand, when you have dove, you're going to have. I'm not being cute today. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of stuff we put up with. But when somebody gets out of the routine, somebody gets out of the normal, when somebody throws the schedule out the window, ah, ah, we can't handle that. I'm coming to tell you something. This is his house. 
and his rules apply in his house. And he works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. He's not waiting on you to give him approval. He's just waiting on somebody to give him room to move. You say, Brother Hughes, is all of that really necessary? Well, I don't know. But if you won a hundred million dollar lottery, how sweet. Look, folks, I won a hundred million. Now, I know I offended some of you people because you don't play the lottery. I don't either. But somebody does. But listen to what, listen to how the message, because this is literally how this verse reads in the original. In the King James Version, it says, and the, the blind came and But that word and is powerful in the original term in the Greek because that word literally reaches back and takes what has been and tries to show you how it's connected to what can be. And this is... And he quoted this text. My house was designed a house of prayer and you've made it a hangout for thieves. Now, everybody say now. Now. (laughs) I love this part. Now, there was room. Now, there was room. Now, once we kick out our little program, once we unbox God, once we loose God's hands, Once we say, God, this is your house. This is not my house. This is not about me. This is not about what I want out of church. This is your house. What do you want to see happen in this place today? And now, there was room. Praise team, I want you to come on back. I want to tell you what they've created for us a while ago. A now moment. What the Holy Ghost created in this place a little while ago was a now moment. Where we can put all that other stuff, our little program, how church is supposed to be. Now, Brother Hughes, you didn't take an offering. Oh, my goodness. You know what? There's some people that have a heart attack because I don't take an offering. But it doesn't bother them in the least if nobody gets healed. Or nobody received the Holy Ghost. I'm not mad. I don't mean that angry. I'm just saying some people have a cardiac over our little playhouse getting disrupted. But maybe God knew that somebody was coming into this place today.
Maybe God knew somebody was coming in. And all that other stuff's going on. He comes in. Anybody hurting this morning? Anybody need healing this morning? Anybody need a miracle this morning? Anybody need a sovereign work of God this morning? Is there anybody in the house that needs direction this morning? There's a now moment. I said we're in a now moment. Because the Lord of the house has shown up. I said the Lord of the house has shown up. And when the Lord of the house shows up, He wants to do the miraculous. He wants to do the supernatural. Come on. The mountain, the steel pin Box God today. Let him have a seat.